Scotland's Talkin. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello and a very good morning. I'm Ali Bally. This is Scotland's Talkin. On the programme this morning, is it the death of democracy? Has Boris Johnson gone too far by closing down Parliament just a week after MPs get back from their summer holidays? That's the kind of behaviour you expect to see in countries that are not democratic, that are ruled by dictators. And that's happening here in the UK. So says Scotland's First Minister. Some people think it's a plot to stop MPs wrecking his promise of a do-or-die Brexit on Halloween. But Boris Johnson says not. There will be ample time in Parliament for MPs to debate uh, the EU, to debate Brexit and uh, all the other issues. Ample time. Ample time, says the Prime Minister. What do you think? Also on the programme between now and midday, I'll be asking if Scots are addicted to takeaways. New figures show we're spending a billion pounds a year on carryouts. Do you think that's a problem? And was Ruth Davison speaking for many working parents when she set out her reason for resigning as the Scottish Conservative leader? The threat of spending hundreds of hours away from my home and family now fills me with dread. The arrival of my son means I now make a different choice. Have you also had to choose between work and family? It's all about opinions, and I'm looking for yours. It is pointless sitting there shouting at the radio. If you've got an opinion, let's hear about it. Get it off your chest and on the radio. Here's the number, 0333 2020 401. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. So, do you think we're living in a democracy or a dictatorship? There have been protests on the streets of British cities after Boris Johnson's decision to ask the Queen to close down Parliament for five weeks in the run-up to Brexit Day. The opposition has cried foul, claiming it's a dastardly plan to thwart their attempts and efforts to stop Britain leaving the European Union without a deal on the 31st of October. The Prime Minister says it's nothing of the sort. As I said on the steps of of Downing Street, we're not going to wait until October the 31st before getting on with our plans to take this country forward. And this is a new government with a very exciting agenda to make our streets safer. It's very important we bring violent crime down. We need to invest in our fantastic NHS. We need to level up education funding across the country. We need to invest in the infrastructure that's going to take this country forward for for decades. And we need to deal with the cost of living, moving to a high-wage, high-productivity economy, which is, I think, what this country needs to be. And to do that, we need new legislation. We've got to be uh, bringing forward new and important bills. And that's why we are going to have a Queen's speech. And we're going to do it on October the 14th. And we've got to move ahead now with a new legislative programme. There will be ample time on both sides of that crucial October the 17th summit. Ample time in Parliament for MPs to debate uh, the EU, to debate Brexit and uh, all the other issues. Ample time. Ample time. And Boris Johnson's speak basically means one week back in the Commons for MPs before they break up again for the party conferences. And then a Queen's speech on the 14th of October. So, the clock is ticking for the so-called rebel alliance of opposition parties. 
First Minister Nicola Sturgeon has called it a dark day for democracy. Well, it's outrageous, if not entirely surprising. I mean, we should be really blunt and frank about this. Trying to shut down Parliament in order to force through a no-deal Brexit that everybody knows will do real and lasting damage to people the length and breadth of the UK is not democracy, it's dictatorship. And if MPs don't find a way of coming together next week to stop Boris Johnson in his tracks, then today will go down in history as the day any semblance of UK democracy died. This is an abusive process. It is whatever Boris Johnson says and however he tries to dress it up, this is about trying to stop a majority in Parliament coming together to avoid a no-deal Brexit. Now, you know that's the kind of behaviour you expect to see in countries that are not democratic, that are ruled by dictators, uh, and that's happening here in the UK. I mean, Boris Johnson, let's not forget, is not elected by anybody other than the Conservative Party, and here he is trying to shut down Parliament. Brexit was meant to be, supposedly, about bringing control back to the House of Commons. And now you know, we've supposedly got to accept that it, it's so important to force it through in the worst possible way that Parliament has to be shut down. It is completely outrageous. Now, it seems, over the last couple of days anyway, that I've found everybody has an opinion on this. Some saying, good old Boris, that's what we've needed. They've mucked around for the last two and a half years, and now he's getting on with it. Others up in arms that he thinks he can just push this through. What do you think? Should we be shutting down Parliament in the middle of the biggest political and constitutional crisis for generations? Boris Johnson became Prime Minister five and a half weeks ago. In that time, he's only spent one day in the Commons being held to account by MPs. Is that, do you think, how the country should be run. Is he getting on with it? After them faffing around for two and a half years and getting nowhere, is he actually grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and said, I'm going to get this through and is going to get on? What are your thoughts on this? Treble 3 2020 401 is the number. Treble 3 2020 401. Give me a call. Let me know. Because as I say, you know, it's 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 affect it will affect everyone, whichever way this goes. But um there are times I will admit while watching Boris on television, I have to agree with those that say he's making it up as he goes along, you know. <laughs> it's um yeah. It's like um um yes, I always know politicians they go, um mm, uh, uh when they're actually trying to conjure something in their mind as to how to answer it. Boris doesn't do so much of that. He just blurts it out. But is he right? Is is he correct in what he's doing? Okay. He was not elected by anyone, as Nicola Sturgeon said there, apart from those in the Conservative Party. But surely somebody has to grab what's going on. Because at the end of the day, the voters did say, let's leave the European Union. We didn't know at that time anything about no deal, good deal, or whatever. That's not what the voters were asked. They were asked, do you want to stay in the European Union or do you want to go? The vote was to leave. I don't think there's going to be another vote on this. There are many saying that we should vote again. 
But then do we vote again and again till they get the answer that some of those want, which seems to be to stay in? Your thoughts? treble 3 202401. And as I say, don't just sit there. If if you want to actually um, get on the radio, let's let's have your thoughts. I don't sit shouting at the radio because I honestly I can't hear you. Okay, treble 3 202401. You can also text. Text number is 61054. Start your message with Ali. And you can email Ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. And it's hashtag Scotland's Talking. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. And our first call today comes from Jonathan, who's in the Barton. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. So what do you make of all this then? Well, as much as I think that if Boris Johnson suspending the House of Commons today is quite undemocratic in itself, um, but then again, the same word undemocratic does kind of have to go towards um, those vast majority Remainer MPs trying to overturn the will of the people in 2016 that voted Leave. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 that's where, you know, everybody seems to have an opinion, but it's easily cancelled out by something else. You know, it's, I just hate, uh, this last couple of days, I've been quite surprised at the company I've been in, different places, just chatting to people, and the amount that coming back and saying, well, thank goodness somebody's doing something. That doesn't yeah, I kind of have to agree with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you be quite happy, or are you quite happy with the ba- the way so far that Boris and his companions are dealing with this? Then, I think it is definitely well, the, the way I am happy with it at the moment because, um, well, you might try and say, "Oh, well, let's try and push for the deal, which is the EU withdrawal agreement." Which, unfortunately, when I even read up for the agreement itself, is it's basically a Brexit in name only. So, unfortunately, with the European Union uh, saying, no, we don't want to change this whatsoever, then Boris is actually finding himself in a very difficult position, as if to say, well, do I stick with this agreement that they're trying to push and maybe try to please people? Which would mean Brexit name only betraying his uh, supporters and those who voted leave in 2016. Or does he try to go for the no-deal scenario and try to trade with everybody else across the world and, well, we'll have to go the way that is? There, as you say, you've sort of looked at it and read up on it. There is the the school of thought that if he goes for the no deal, that um, then the uh, European ministers will have a look at it afterwards and some of the negotiations may then start to take place after we've come out. Do you think that's a possibility? Is that what he's going to have to go for? No, I don't think there's going to be negotiations after we left on the 31st of October, if Boris Johnson really means it. Because, well, once we've left, well, we've left, and that's it. And, well, there's no going back after that. Um, right. With regards to the negotiations, well, I have a feeling that they will probably likely fail, probably in the short run, uh, going up to the 31st of October. And it will very likely have to be an no-deal scenario. And in your your thoughts, then, is a no-deal scenario as bad as some are making out it could be for this country? 
No, I don't think it is going to be as bad as people are starting to think for this country because, well, probably you never know deep down in the background there are trade deals possibly going on. Yes, there might be some few bumps in the way as we get out, but then again, we'll probably rise up again uh, just to trade with everybody else as normal. I mean, things do have to go on as normal, well, as some people would say. Mm. OK, Jonathan, thank you for kicking us off with that uh, thought today. Let's go to Stephen, who's in Peterhead. Stephen, good morning. Morning, Ali. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So how will this all affect you then? Oh, no effect me in any way. I'm just sick and tired of hearing about it all the time with the, the telly and the news. That's how you get in the news. Yep. She gives she gives the man a chance, Boris Johnson. I mean, he's just trying to get his, this mess um, where Cameron put us into in the first place. I mean, uh, Theresa May, okay... It wasn't great for her, her part, but she's trying to do the best she could. And then with Boris Johnson coming in, where a uh, uh, guy wants to, get, to do Brexit, he came in, he's taking the bull by the horns, and he's actually trying to do something. But there's, there's, there's blocks, they're trying to block him every three turns, they're trying to block him every time. Mm-hmm. I think he had no choice but to do what he's doing, just to get things moving. And then to take it from there, you know, that. Nothing's going to happen unless somebody makes a stance and just goes for it, basically. Just does what Boris has um, said he's going to do. He's, as you say, grabbing it. Somebody somebody to do, say they're going to do it and just do it. No no faffing about, no uh, saying what you want to hear. Just go and do it, you know what I mean? And then we'll see what they take it from there, you know. Because nothing's a bad bad result and no deal. I mean, I don't think. It'll be as bad as folk are making it out to be. Right. As the last chap says, okay, we'll probably be some bumps in the road along the way, but we'll come out at the end of it. We're probably a far better country. We've deals from America, probably Australia, probably Far East, you know what I mean? So, just have to wait and see. And I think as much as we sell to Europe, Europe sells a heck of a lot to us, and they're not going to close us off altogether, are they? Of course they're not. That's, That's silly. I mean... Why, why do that? I mean, we give to them as much as they give to us, and they're not going to shut the borders. That's, that's silly. That's just a silly thing to say, really. I think, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Stephen. Stephen in Peterhead there and Jonathan in Dumbarton. Uh, there we are, two saying that um, just what I've been finding over the last couple of days, two saying, right, at least he's doing something. He's getting on with it. What are your thoughts? Treble 3 2020 401 is the number. If you'd like to join us on Scotland's Talking. On the phone lines, it's Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Good morning, Ali. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Sunday. Yep. Not you... bad, Ali. Just fodding away. Just in every day as it comes, the usual. Right. Just trying to go on with my life. So how would you guide our Prime Minister then? I would guide him with open arms, Ali. The reason why, you back 10, 20, 30 years, local authority councillors, Government, ministers, you name it. So I've always been in austerity, and we're always listening to the others. I think that Boris Johnson has got it, Ali. And he's had enough, like myself. He's going to listen to people running about him. Namby, pamby, rushing. Two feet, he's been It's time for change. We've been saying it for 50 years. We've got Sigurian Bile as well. We've, the whole country's in his knees. And we're worried about Boris Johnson coming out. Yeah, this Berwick's in the EU. It's probably the best thing we ever did, Ali. 
and I think the whole country should rally around him and see if it doesn't work. At least he gave it a chance, Ali. Yep, yep. No, there's a lot of folk in here saying, look, you think about it, the hospital welfare, you name every department, every government, quangles, everything. We're actually going back to the dark years of the 50s and the 3D weeks and all that, and power cuts, poverty. We're going back, slowly going back. And, and I've heard folks saying about this European aid for these foreign countries. Well, Boris, he's only been there five and a half weeks. We don't want him sitting in that parliament alley all day, drinking tea or drinking that, in the bars and all that. He's going out there, he's meeting people, he's telling them straight, we're getting this suspended, we've had enough, he's with me. We've had enough. Let's go alone. We're probably out of Europe. Don't want me in it before. Roll down the 40 years look at the, the state of the country's in. It could be the best thing ever happened to us, Ali. We could be on the rise here. We could be a nation of greatness here. Because we were the sixth richest or the fifth richest country in the world. With water, other minerals, water, oil. We never been here. They were all sitting in poverty. I, could, I, understand, I can see what Boris Johnson's coming to. Why rise for the ashes, Ali? Let's get rid of this hysterity. We've had enough. He's not like it. Go, I'm a great for as far as I can see. Go away. I don't care about you. This is my cabinet. This is what I'm going to do. A hundred percent behind like Donald Trump. I'd like I hang it to him. The, the only people are the rising, Ali, for greatness. Go on, go, go behind them. Back them, Ali. Get rid of all these doubters, all these do-gooders. Get rid of the lot of them. We've had enough of them. So, on, my opinion, the world. on you go, Boris, as far as you're concerned. On you go, on you go. Excellent. Take it out. Stephen, thank you very much indeed. Let's go to Kevin, who's in Bordeaux. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Ali. Good morning. Good morning to you. I'll keep this short, because I'm going to football. I'll tell you... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell I wouldn't you like that. to hold you back now. Come on. <laughs> no, I was about to jump in the shower there, but that's... Anyway, it's regard to Nicola Sturgeon. Uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't a pattern vote. It was a UK-wide vote, and she's going on about dictators and stuff like that. I mean, I voted to stay, do you know what I mean? Right. I, I think EU is a good thing. Uh, but problem is, people voted to leave and was outnumbered. I don't like it, but I, I'm going to have to accept that. Do you know what I mean? Right, OK. Hopefully it'll not be as bad as what they're saying it is. I feel sorry for pensioners. People have no well, stuff like that. They're all worried about their prescriptions and stuff. Hopefully that will no harm. I mean, there seems to be a lot of fear, though, on those type of things. Uh, you know, you're not going to get your medicines. Yeah, um, you know, Boris was asked that question a couple of days ago, and he just yeah. said, nonsense, of course you'll get your medicines. You know, we, we really are just going to have to wait and see, aren't That's we? It. I mean, he is intelligent. I, listen, I've, not, I've never voted Tory in my life, but he is an intelligent and he's got good advisors. I don't know... What way they'll swing? They'll be hard, right? I don't know. Hopefully, it'll be set to the ground. Do you know what I mean? Right. Because I do think there will be an election either in October, November of this year, or next start of spring. I think if he gets this through and and you know he carries on and he actually comes out um, and gets the country out as he yeah. says he would, I, I I don't think it's going to be any surprise if there's going to be an election because it, no government or prime minister could work with. What a majority of one, I wouldn't have thought. They, they'll be looking to strengthen their hand. No, they can't work. There's no work majority. It won't work. He, whoever gets in power, what, what, they'll want to run it themselves with their own party. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They've been playing shadow boxing for the, since Theresa May's come in. They can't pass laws. I don't know I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to be like if they to get a massive majority. I don't know. 
that's my own opinion. I can't speak for other people. Okay, Kevin, enjoy the match today. Thank you very much Thanks indeed very for your much. call. Thank you. Cheers Bye. now. Bye bye. John, good morning. Good morning. Your point, John? Nicholas, uh, it's Nicholas Sturgeon. Okay. Uh, first off, she's saying that we're no living in a democracy now. It's a dictatorship because of Boris Johnson. Right? Well, n- as far as I'm concerned, Nicholas Sturgeon's a dictator because we didn't get a vote on the smoking ban. We didn't get a vote on minimum price and a booze, but she foisted it on Tapia's. She put that on Tapia's, so she's a dictator. Secondly, the, the UK as a whole voted to leave uh, the EU. So she's just won another vote because it doesn't suit her. She's a dictator here. Well, you're, you're not the first person that, as I say, I've been talking about this over the last couple of days to various people that have been in, just in conversation. And that's come up a couple of times. And the, the, the one that actually has come up a couple of times has been the, the Named Person Act for Children, mm-hmm. um, which uh, the, the Scottish government has told them to, told the, the SNP to, to bin, get rid of it. Um, it's it's not working, and yet they're continuing with it. And that's, you know, where where one point she's talking about um, Boris being a dictatorship, but there's just one instance that the SNP and Nicola Sturgeon and her education minister are trying to force this through. That's that's coming back as well. So it's it's like the pot calling, you know. Exactly, yes. It's, she, uh, if she's dictating to the Scottish people what... She thinks we're not going to vote on what she's what the, the, the laws that they're passing. They're not coming to us and saying, "Well, what do you think of this? We're going to Mogi's a vote on this." She's just doing it. It's as simple as that. It's my way or the highway. That's her attitude. Is that not what we put politicians in power for, though, to take decisions on our behalf, John? I mean, yeah. would you would you say that the smoking ban was a bad one? Surely not. No, I'm not saying it's a bad one, but she foisted it on us. Well, it, I'm not sure she did. I thought it was Jack McConnell. But it, it, the Scottish government foisted it on us then, put it that way, right? You know, I, I say at the time of that ban that it was going to cause all sorts of problems because you get guys start sitting in the pub having a smoke. The football fans, the Rangers fans or Celtic fans are having to go outside the pub for a smoke, a member of the opposite support comes along the street, sees them with a scarf, and has a go at them. It's not just football fans. It's happening all over the place. Really? Aye. Smoke, I must be missing it then. I think it was the best law that was ever brought out. Folk that would normally get into the pub to have a go at somebody that they didn't like or knew because they're outside in the street, they're getting smacked because they're having it, they're getting forced outside. They're saying it's drink. It's I it's got a a hanging on it. But the the fact that the people are being forced to onto the street to get a smoke, then they're getting assaulted. Does that not say you you've sort of um kept on there about it being football fans, different colours. Does that not say more about the immaturity of some football fans? Ah, but that's what I'm saying. It's not just football fans. I was giving you that as an example. Right, okay. okay. That was just an example. It's no... Yeah. It, 
Je ziet en de drie tunes voor en schudden uitzijd, dat gaan hard uitzijd pops. Voor, because they're outside, it's somebody that maybe had a run-in with a couple of months ago or whatever. And that's what's happening. And what about consideration for those that are inside who don't smoke? And don't want to go out of the pub, you know, with their clothes and their hair right. stinking of cigarette smoke. Right, well, see me that. See, in Stevenson, there's maybe half a dozen pubs. They could have turned in and says to the, the publicans, right, we're going to give three years a licence to have a cigarette inside the pub and the other three, and if you can't sort it out among yourself, then we'll, we'll say, right, that's got a licence for smoking and that one hasn't and that hasn't and that hasn't Simple as that. There's always an easier uh, an option for it. If you want to smoke, you'll go to a pub that would allow you to smoke. If you don't want to smoke, you'd go to another one. Okay, interesting way to look at it, but thanks very much indeed, John. Uh, let's go to Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Good morning, Ali. Good morning. Yes. Well, I think everybody's jumping on a bandwagon and all these assertions uh, of the, the government. Not one of them's come up with a good idea. This man, Boris, I mean, they think he's a clown and an idiot. He's not a clown and an idiot. That man's well-educated, Ali. That man knows what he's doing. He's got good people behind him. The rest of them just don't want to be in his company. So if you don't want to be in the company, Ali, it's for your job. You just change and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what... But they don't. They jump all across to the next side of the the, uh, the parliament to, to do another party, which the, the constituents didn't vote them any. So they're the ones to blame. They, they, keep, they don't go back to the, the constituency, right? I'm moving party. We'll, we'll have a by-election. No, they just jump, they just jump ship, Ali. It went on to the yacht and across the other side. And that's the ones that it's not doing any good in their... Government and Parliament Alley. They're the ones that's causing all the problem. We're doing all this. Nobody's getting anywhere. And for the, the, the leave situation Alley, that was our vote. And any other democratic country that Nicholas Sturgeon shouts her mouth all about, she's, a, she's a, the, the last person to shout about anything. She never, she wasn't voted in either Alley. So she has a cheek to say to somebody else, oh, you weren't voted in, so I, I'm no bothering you. You should get off, off your bike. I'll go on my, on my big car and I'll, I'll do what I want to do. That's what she's like, Ali. Yeah, she done it in the, the, the Shetlands. She never went near that place in all the time she was there and voted in, Ali. Not voted in, in Parliament, Scottish mm-hmm. Parliament. And yet, all of a sudden... Was, she was the lead, she's the leader of a, a, a political party. There was an election going on. So, of course, she's going to visit the place if she can. I know, but that's what I'm talking about, Ali. The point about this, why, you, I mean, a good person would go and visit these places. You might see how, why... That I think I think what you're saying makes a good newspaper headline. Yes, but, I, you know I, I don't I, I don't agree with that at all. I don't I don't see, but you know it's all about opinions. But I don't see how you can expect the first minister to be in every corner of every part of Scotland. No, but what I'm saying is, Ali, she's shouting about democracy too, about the people. And this is my case, Ali. The four countries voted. That's democracy. So she's always against things that she doesn't did to suit her alley. The last caller and all. She, if nothing suits her alley, she goes the other way. She's, as far as I'm concerned, she's two-faced when she does things alley. She does it one way and then changes her mind and thinks it's no going her way. And that's, that's what's happening in this government alley. They're not doing nothing. They're not getting around the table. Everybody's saying, look, we'll need to sort this out. There's all these countries in Europe we only get, get ourselves sorted because we're an island and we'll need to do something quick because an island has got to open itself up, Ali. It's not in and amongst other ones. 
we're on an island, Ali, and we'll need to go to other countries. The ones that's, we get stuff all over the world. I can't understand how people are saying, oh, you'll get nothing in, Ali, and uh, mm. your, your tablets and your medicines. That thing doesn't stop right away, Ali. There's no, I mean, of- there's going to be time in between. Joseph, going to stop you there. Thank you very much indeed. Keep your calls coming in. 0333 2020 401. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Uh, Willie McCready says they keep asking this question with a straight face. Is democracy dead? Was it not dead in Scotland when a democratic referendum was not accepted? And this was followed by a Brexit referendum not being accepted either. Yes, democracy is dead in Scotland anyway. Linda, would you agree? No, um, um, good morning, Good morning, Alex. good morning, Linda. Throwing Beautiful you on day in and it's really bonny here, thank you, nay floods. Um, I, I don't agree that democracy is dead in Scotland at all. I really don't like us speaking about dictators. Now, I don't call anybody a dictator. I'll stick to the facts. Your leader did. There's, well, I'm certainly no doing that. I don't have to be like anybody. But what I'm saying to you, ask the question this morning, and you mentioned proroguing parliament. That's a big word. What we've done is we're actually... Putting Parliament to one side after a lengthy recess, a period in such crisis, and the leader of the Tories decides that that should happen. It's unprecedented. Now, people will say to me it's not unprecedented because it's been done before, many years ago, decades before. Well, it is unprecedented because it's never happened for this length of time. It has been done, but not for this length of time. And knowing the United Kingdom is in such disarray. Yes, it is. I agree with people that it is. But this happened because of an impending civil war in the Tory party. Now, you can disagree with that if you like. And when people mention austerity, yes. But that was a decision. To put austerity in was a decision. This is Boris Johnson's chance to ensure it's his way or no way. Now, you could say that's a good move, and I wouldn't disagree. Structurally, it is a good move for him and his party. But people seem to think that a no deal wouldn't matter. Now, Ali, I would agree, you know, I would say to you, I've been a union shop steward in my past. You don't go in with thinking, well, we'll accept no deal. You go in with negotiation, you go in armed properly to speak to people, Mm -hmm. to get something acceptable. You don't go and thinking, well, we'll just accept that when we come along. Because they need us more than we need them. That's cloud cuckoo land, and that's my personal opinion. I don't believe that, that anybody needs us more than we need them. I think we need each other. And let's just put one myth to sleep here, here and now. You know how long I've wanted independence for my country. But England is my sister country, and I wish them nothing but good. But I feel... The SNP under Nicholas' leadership and Alec Bafora have a mandate. I'm not interested in coronations and hog it in by whatever means. If, if the parliament, if the, the government is led by somebody or a group or whoever has a mandate, they have a mandate. Linda, can you explain, first of all, for my benefit and also for our listeners' benefit, who are maybe asking the question in their head now, how do you work out you have a mandate when the voters in Scotland rejected independence? How, how do you have a mandate? Yep, OK. What, what, about, mandate. What, people, what about the people in Scotland who didn't vote for it? The majority. Totally agree with the you, majority. But we're, mixing up, we're mixing up referenda 
we general elections. Yeah, but we vote. Elections. Yeah, but this is an SNP myth here, is it not? Surely, no, we voted no, as a referenda as a UK part of the United yep. Kingdom. Oh, totally. I think I think we'll talk one thing at a time, though, Ali, because you asked me to explain, and I will. I'll try to explain, but I'm you know I'm the expert. I don't profess to be, but I will say honestly what I think. They have a mandate to lead Scotland because they won more than once. So that's their mandate. And you know, if you go to the polls, it's never been hidden that you're going to a party that wishes Scotland's independence. Now, if I wanted to vote Tory, I'd be able to understand what I was voting for. Otherwise, I wouldn't vote. So that's a different thing to the country. I'd be the first to admit it. I was brokenhearted when we didn't get Scottish independence. But that was a referendum. So we had a mandate to go to the referendum. Things have changed dramatically since then. So I do feel that we should do it again. But my point is, today, if you're saying that Mr Johnson and his team, and by the way, his Tory party is completely fractured, I may not agree with him, but I, I respect decency. If he really believes in what he's doing, please do not go in there thinking that a no deal is acceptable. That is far too scary for me. Where, where does it go from here then, Linda, in your opinion? Well, I think, you know, we've, we've already let the cat out of the bag. And unless I think a big problem really is that I, I expected a lot of Mr Corbyn. Because the opposition, opposition to any place, whether it be at Holyrood or Westminster, is there for a reason. It's a good reason. They should be up in their hind legs. They've not done it. Mm-hmm. They've let this go on so far. So this, this will happen now. We've already gone to court to see what we could do there, and it's, it's a wee bit dodgy. We don't know what's going to happen with that, but I suspect we'll not get any place. Because I think Mr Johnson, if he's sensible, and I, I do not doubt that the man is... Very, very much surrounded by good people that will believe in what he's doing, they'll go through with this. And it'll break out his heart. I have no idea whether you'll get your tablets or anything else. The worry I have is that worry. And I do worry about people's rights at their work, Ali. I worry about that. And I do worry about the peace that we've enjoyed. So, yes, you're asking me where are we going to go. I think we'll go down this road because they'll manage it. They're in power. They'll manage it. But I think the next thing, a general election, and we'll better be all ready for that. We'll better come, be think, absolutely yeah, ready. I think that'll come quickly. Linda, thank you. We've got to get to the news. Thank you very much indeed, as always. Uh, good to talk to you and welcome your opinion, uh, as always, of course. And just a couple of other opinions. Elaine says, I think he is wrong in what he's doing. This country will come to a standstill. Mrs May couldn't do it, and he's bullying his way through. Another one here that says, uh, I'm really looking forward to when Parliament reconvenes on Tuesday. It's been said that a week is a long time in politics. Boris Johnson will find this coming week an eternity. The OK Corral will be like a nursery compared to the House of Commons in the coming seven days. And uh, just as we got to the news, let's not pretend that any Nothing in politics happens by chance. Everything is going to plan another step closer to a one-world government where the rich and powerful become more rich and powerful and the poorest amongst us simply die off. That's from Liz. There's more after the news. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'.
Uh, we'll keep those calls coming in and comments regarding uh, the situation that Boris Johnson has got the country in and what he's doing. Lots of comments coming in on always on social media. Here's one that says Boris is doing a great job. Hope he gets a no-deal Brexit. All the people that are mourning are Remainers. I've been a Labour voter all of my life, uh, but Labour have made themselves unelectable. Okay. Um, if you don't agree with what's being any of our callers are saying, don't get into this, you know, um, mind that I'm getting some comments on social media here about me or indeed others, the producer being biased and things like this. Load of nonsense. Load of nonsense. We take the calls as they come in. So it's pointless moaning. Come on the phone and put your point of view on. Quite happy to do that. Here's the number again. 0333 2020 401. In my umpteen years of doing this programme, I've been accused many times of being a member of particular um, political parties, been accused of being a member of the SNP, being a member of the Tories, or oh, I'm a Labour supporter. So if I'm getting accused of being them all, I must be getting it right, I think. OK, so we're keeping going on that, all right? But I also want to bring in another subject here, a couple of subjects, in fact. Did you get a takeaway last night? Research shows Scottish families are now spending a billion pounds a year on carryouts. That works out at £35 a month for an average household. Some will get more, some less, some will never get a takeaway. Across the UK, the sector has seen growth double in the last two years and employs more than a quarter of a million people. It's true, isn't it? Have you noticed more of them opening up in your town or city or village? Empty shop, let's have a takeaway. And it's now easier than ever to order food in. You can do it online from your phone. They'll bring it to your door. And so do you find that you're treating yourself more often than not? I mean, it's easier. Depends who the cook is in the house, but it could even be tastier than what you, the alternative is. Is that because you're busier or can't be bothered cooking? And is the takeaway boom bad news when we're told we're in a national battle against obesity? Rob Waller's been putting that question to Ross Finney, the chair of Food Standard Scotland. OK, um, I'll just check your, your job title, if I, if I may. Yeah, I'm chair. You're the, you're the chair of Food I'm Standards. I'm the chair Scot of Food Standards. OK. Um, <clears throat> so... I'm going to leave that for a moment because I'm a bit concerned that's maybe not the edited copy that I should be using. Um, right, OK. Uh, I, I'm, I believe I've got the wrong copy, so my apologies. Right, uh, Rob having a tearing out what hair he's got left. OK, right, Rob, on you go. It's a very staggering figure, but there you are. There are great changes in, in the food market. And to some extent, these new uh, figures in the monetary uh, sum back up what uh, our own research uh, showed, that there had been a considerable increase in the amount of food being consumed out of home. Now, we looked at the whole of the sector. Um, these latest figures are particularly in relation to takeaway. Um, and the, all that, therefore, confirms is that people's eating habits have changed dramatically. Society has moved on, and therefore very substantial sums are being spent uh, on takeaway and out-of-home eating. For me, the test is not where we eat. The test for me and, and Food Standards Scotland is what we eat 
and what it contains. And therefore, uh, in the particular context of obesity, our major concern is no matter where you eat, uh, that you are not eating uh, food which is uh, excessively high in uh, sugar uh, and fat and salt. But isn't it common sense that the food that you cook at home is likely to be inherently more healthy than than stuff that you might buy elsewhere? And can we conclude from that that therefore people don't actually really care uh, about what the calories are in this because they, they've just taken this decision that, that they want this food? Well, that might be true if you if if the evidence also supported the fact that that people were were eating uh, fruit and vegetables in larger quantities and if they were using raw materials of that nature. But of course, a lot of people even eating at home are purchasing from their retail store prepacked meals, which are not necessarily some are, but not necessarily um, terribly healthy in terms of their. Uh, carbohydrate content, except that they at least have a label and you can make a choice. So I, I, that we, have, we have to do something. I mean, we, we can't simply say we'll just rely on what's going on, because what's going on is that for over a decade, um, we have known that obesity levels are rising. And over that decade, we now are in a position where over 66% of all Scots are either overweight or obese. The cost to the individual and the cost to society of this obesity epidemic is very substantial. And I think government is right on a public health ground to be intervening in the matter and trying to assist the public in becoming more informed as to the food choices they make. Ross Finney, the chair of Food Standards Scotland, speaking there to, to Rob Waller. Uh, right, joining me now is Jackie Shewan. Jackie runs a fish and chip shop in Muir of Ord, a wonderful part of the country. Uh, Jackie, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, how long have you been in the fish and chip shop business? I've been doing this now for about 12 years. Right, OK. And increase or decreasing in, in popularity? Well, I'd like to say I'm increasing due to how good I am. <laughs> but of course, yeah. But does increased competition um, cause you problems? You know, as we talk about their sort of takeaways opening all over the place. Not at all. Competition's good because it makes you up your game, have a look at what you're doing, how your service is, what food you're putting out. So, yeah, it just makes you open your eyes and keeps you interested because after 12 years you can get fed up. But at the moment... You know, I'm still looking looking at what's round about me and, yeah, just to increase it all and keep the options open for everybody else. I do my own sauces and just try different things to encourage them to keep coming back to me. Right, you're talking about doing your own sauces, but what else have you had to do um, over the, the la- let's say, last two or three years to to make sure that you're at the top of the game, that you're matching your competitors? Just make sure that we do good customer service, um, look after the customers, you know, that's number one, put a good product out. And at the moment, because of the increase, as you say, in the popularity of the um, takeaway industry, I've now gone to the radio station and made myself uh, a jingle with the help of the radio station uh, to hopefully get my name out there and let them know where I am. But do you know, after 12 years in Muravords, does anybody, most people in Muravord not know that you're there anyway? 
Absolutely, but what's, what's the harm? If there's so much um, competition out mm-hmm. there, you want them to come and try you because people will travel if they find something that's good. So I'm hoping to get my name out there and people from Inverness, all roundabout areas, to come and try the location. One, it helps me in business. Two, it makes them see what Muraboard has to offer itself as well. Very true. So, if, you get a, if you get a fish and chip shop that you enjoy... Um, which by anybody knows the shape of me will know that I uh, I do not live by salad alone. <laughs> um, but if you get, I, I think when I do go to a fish and chip shop, I pass three fish and chip shops to get to the one I actually want to go to. So you will travel, won't you? Uh, absolutely. You know, I used to do it myself, even though I was in the trade. I still went and chose my my local chip shop that I'd like to travel to to get away from my own food. So um, yeah. It's, if, if people are willing to travel and willing to accommodate and if we can give them the best food and the best service possible, then, yeah, hopefully they come back. When I was reading this report um, about saying, you know, that we, we're spending more of uh, a billion pounds a year on carryouts, um, I just wondered if a lot of it had to do as well with people like yourself um, turning to... Uh, delivery companies, you know, and, and not just you in the fish and chip trade. I'm thinking of uh, burger joints like McDonald's and Five Guys and various things like that. They are actually now, where they used to just be on the streets or whatever, they're offering a delivery service. So that must increase the amount of takeaways as well because it's easier to get one. Now, I think it depends on your location. Mm-hmm. Now, Muraboard's pretty rural. Uh, chip shops that I've had previously have been named um, rural. And I've tried the delivery service. And, yeah, it can double your intake, but it can also double your expenses to actually provide that service. So, in the long run, is it actually worthwhile? Now, in the central belt, everybody's so busy. You could be travelling home on a bus and go, OK, I'll go on the phone, order my food. By the time you arrive home, there's a delivery driver there delivering your food. Lives are so, so busy now. They have so many options of things to do. It is a great service in the central belt. It's risky late at night for people to go out. You know, we, we use it as a social thing. We have little old folk that come in. It's their Friday evening. They come and meet Joe next door or they meet Maggie. And they sit and they have a chat for that 20 minutes. And it's actually a social interaction with the community that mm-hmm. takes them out. But in the central belt, if you're thinking to walk down the street to go and get a carry out at 8 o'clock at night, it might be a bit risky. Well, you know, you use the yeah, services that are online. Yeah. What have, what, have, what have you done to, um, just going back to the points that Ross Finney was making there about um, unhealthy foods, how do you make fish and chips and stuff that you get out of the chip shops healthy? Um, we serve a little side salad with food, so there's an option there. But ideally for me, fish and chips aren't unhealthy. We don't have any cream. Yes, it's fried in oil, but what you're doing, you're sealing your lovely fish inside a nice crispy batter. If you wanted to cut out some of the calories, you can just peel off the batter and eat the fish inside. Any of the food that we cook in the batter, you have that option. But if you weigh it up between pizzas and curries and the fish and chips, fish and chips are the most healthiest out of all. I never feel guilty when I'm eating fish and chips. (laughs) You shouldn't, especially if you come to my shop. (laughs) (laughs) Just finally here, I'm looking at a comment coming through on social media. How much is a bag of chips? Um, £2.20, but if you have a look at the work that goes in and the quality controlling from where it's produced and how it's produced, I think that's actually very cheap. Um, when you go to a cafe and, you know, you're buying a cake, you're probably £2.80 for that cake. You're £2.80 for a cup of coffee. It's, yeah, the work involved in producing one small bag of chips, which is a decent-sized portion, um, I think it's cheap. I'm just looking at a comment that says, the food market is getting out of hand when you charge £4 for a bag of chips, as I paid recently in Pitlochry. <laughs> 
Good grief. The potatoes are really getting expensive. Four oh, quid. Yeah, that, that, that's a fact. Fish, we were really, really struggling there to get fish. So our suppliers whack up the price. Now, we don't individually each week change the prices to the prices we're paying from our suppliers. Potatoes, if you have a bad season, now last year it was so dry, the potatoes were terrible, and we've got to go to Spain to get our supply of potatoes. Well, we're paying double the amount, but we don't pass that on to our customers. Then you've got your different seasons when you have your flour, so that can change the crop. So the batter that we produce is different. So everything, we do everything the same every day in the chip shop, but it's external things that can cause a problem. So if our fish is small, if our potatoes aren't quite right, and if the flour has not been milled correctly and the crop's not been good, then everything can change what our end line product is and mm. it's out of our control. I, I think when you, just going back there, and finally where you're talking about the work that goes in, if you ever watch any of those documentaries on fishing boats and you see the amount of work that goes in by the fishing fleets Absolutely. out of Scotland um, to to get bring that fish onto our table, it's um, you're right, a lot of work does go into it. Absolutely. Jackie, thank you very much indeed for joining us from your award today. You're uh, welcome, Ali. And um, wish you all the best. Keep going. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Nice to speak to you. Bye-bye. Jackie Shewan runs a fish and chip shop in your award. So, um, again, uh, just be asking, have you upped what you get in in a takeaway? The amount of times that you go for a takeaway, has that increased? due to the uh, variety of, of uh, takeaways. We're not just talking fish and chips here, we're talking over them all. Uh, here's one that says uh, from John, uh, where I live there are families who have takeaways almost every day. It must cost them a fortune. Um, yeah, yeah, can identify with that with some people. I used to be a takeaway fanatic, says Phil, but they've become too expensive. I've since bought Chinese and Indian cookbooks and make my own. I found it to be cheaper in the long run and secure in the knowledge I know what's in it. Many people forget half the cost of a takeaway lies in the energy needed to cook it. Thank you very much indeed, Phil. Uh, you've got a comment on takeaways and uh, uh, anything in that uh, subject that we're talking about, then give us a call. That number again, 033-2020-401. We will also return to your comments on uh, Boris Johnson and what he's doing um, at the moment with Parliament. And we'll also fairly shortly be talking about Ruth Davison, who stood down as the Scottish Party leader for the Conservatives uh, on Thursday. And just trying to find out, you know, is it something that you identify with? A young mum, the new family, finding that this work-life balance, uh, as she says, wasn't quite right for her. More about that in a moment. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Just looking at some comments that are coming in on our uh, uh, text lines here. Um, Democracy, sorry, I've lost that one now. Where has it gone? Oh, yeah. Democracy should be sacrosanct and ability to prologue over our apartment. Uh, our parliament should only be allowed in a national crisis uh, when there is something to... When there's cross-party consensus, sorry, I've got it now, sorry, Kath, uh, between all the party leaders and then a vote should be put to the parliament to gain agreement first. The political parties should have agreed to postpone their party conferences so that we'll give them an additional month to be able to discuss Brexit at this critical time and ensure people are represented. According to the Prime Minister, Kath, there's going to be ample time. Uh, here's one that comes in from Jordi. He says, uh, uh, Linda, the nationalist who phoned in to give her opinion on Boris, etc., gave herself away by her comment that she wished the English nothing but grief. Um, 
I think you're making things up here, Geordie. That's not what Linda said. Linda said she wished the English nothing but good. That was her actual words, not the words that you're trying to put into her mouth. Uh, so maybe it's you that has the bigoted views. Uh, let's go back on the phone lines. Christine. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. Your thoughts then, Christine? Right. My thoughts are, I think Boris is doing a great job trying to get a better deal for our country. Do those objectors want us to accept the, the, the crap deal that the EU are offering? Surely no deal is better than that. Mm. I feel if all parties would work together for the good of the country... We could use the only ace card we had, and that was the no-deal ace card. They have ruined that. The EU know now they don't need to offer a better deal. Nicholas Sturgeon, to me, is more of a dictator than Boris Johnston. I heard an elderly gentleman one day on television He said, I have been through two world wars. How bad can a no-deal be? Let's get on with it. And that's what I think. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert. No, well, as I've said before, it's all about opinions. And and we don't, you know... um, Hold back and say you can't get on because you've got this opinion or that opinion. We take the calls as they come in, and and that's that's what it is all about. But you know, did we not agree, Christine? Already, did Mrs May not agree with the the European commissioners that this deal that has been signed was what she was going to try and get through? Yes, but I don't really hold Theresa May in high regard either. I'm sorry to say. I feel had we had someone like Boris to step in at the beginning, I don't think we would be in this mess now. Mm. Unfortunately, we can't look back on that because that's that's just we just don't know, do we? No, we don't. Um, but that's really all I have to say. Okay, Christine, thank I... you very much indeed for your call. Right, thank you. Thank you. Bye bye now. Bye bye. From Stewarton to the Broch, Fraserborough. It's Andrew. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Ali. Ali, I think one thing I've I've really had uh, enough of in the last three or four days are the opposition parties in this country who hold us who voted to leave with utter contempt in their attempts by going to court, etc. I believe we've got a vote of no confidence um, attempted next week, Ali. And at the end of the day, this is dragged on for how long now, Ali? Three years or something? So I think we just went out, Ali. Mm. You know, we just want out, with or without a deal. And that's the thing that Johnson bowled him a googly this week. And they, they, how delightful it was, incidentally, to see some of them squeal, to be quite honest with you. You know, So they've tried to reach for every dirty trick in the book. And, you know, I just I can't believe it. You know, some of them would try and overturn this. They want to stay in Europe. That's the bottom line. They'll all say, some of them will try and say, oh, we, we, we really are not big fans of the EU, but, you know, we should stay. It's a, they, they really want to stay, Ali, and they're just trying to overturn the, the democratic will of the British people. 
I think we can see a lot of that happening. They're looking after their own views, even although their constituents may have voted to leave. A lot of them are, are you know, are, are now saying MPs. I'm talking about here, yeah. um, who have have tried, and I, you know, looking at it. And I'm sort of trying to sit on the fence, looking at it. This is what they're doing, and you know, they they were never accepting the of the the vote of the country. Um, and, and there were many, of course, who still say we weren't told the full story. Would you have welcomed another referendum with all the facts? Well, how many reruns are you going to have with democracy? We, we've probably now got the SNP asking for another referendum regarding independence, Ali, because the, the result didn't go their way. So I'm afraid, no, that's democracy in all its, its glory, whether you love it or loathe it, Ali, that... The majority of the UK people voted to leave the EU, and I don't think they could care less if there was a deal or no deal, incidentally. They're trying to turn around now and say, oh, but no deal was never on the cards, you know, the people are being conned. They're not. They're quite happy with no deal, the ones I speak to, Ali. Okay, Andrew, thank you. Good to have your call this morning. Uh, Willie, thanks for calling in and waiting. Hello, Ali. Uh, Basically, I was listening earlier to Linda and I thought uh, that she made a whole lot of sense. She gave a good background to everything. I'm on to speak about Boris Johnson himself. Right. We, I, I, I cannot believe the amount of people that are phoning in and saying, what a great chap, he's going to do a great job, what I've got on with it, etc., etc. Do these people know who Boris Johnson is? He is a noted liar. He is a bully. He is everything that a leader should not be. And yet these people are handing him carte blanche to go and do what he wants to do with this country. I, we have gone through what they term 10 years of austerity. I said 10 years ago when this began, that austerity was the biggest lie ever told. Austerity wasn't required. Austerity was a political measure by the Tories, leading the Liberal Democrats by the nose to make life worse for working people. And that is what Brexit is about also. It's the next stage. Once Brexit comes in and they have all, all the EU laws that govern the workplace scrapped, the ordinary working man in this country is going to really suffer. Holidays, holidays. zero other contracts will be looked on as something great in two years' time when bosses start dishing out... Uh, Contracts or, or no, no even contracts, sacking people on the spot for daring to answer them back. All the things that used to happen in the workplace are coming back. So you think it's just a big plan that's now coming together? It's a right-wing Tory plan. The Tories have... This has been ongoing since the days of Margaret Thatcher. Tory think tanks have come up with these ideas and planned ways of bringing them in Step by step of the last 30, 35, 40 years. And there's nothing accidental about it. This is a planned manoeuvre and this is the next stage. Get out of Europe, 
get get away from all all constraints and get the working man back to doing 48, 50, 60 hour weeks with very little pay. Willie, thank you. It's all about opinions. That's his. 25 minutes away from 12. 0333 is the number if you'd like to give your opinion. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Ruth Davison stood down as the Scottish Party leader on Thursday. She said her reasons were personal as much as political. The biggest change, however, has been starting a family. And I cannot thank my colleagues, and especially Jackson Carlow, enough for their generosity and support to both Jen and myself following the birth of baby Finn. It made my return to work in April as smooth as I believe was possible, while the flexibility shown by colleagues since then has allowed me these last few months to continue operating successfully in my role as leader. However, as I look to the future, I see the Scottish election due in 2021 and a credible threat from our opponents to force a general election before then. Having led our party through seven national elections and two referenda, I know the efforts, the hours and the travel required to fight such campaigns successfully. And I have to be honest that where the idea of getting on the roads to fight two elections in 20 months with once have fired me up, the threat of spending hundreds of hours away from my home and family now fills me with dread. And that is no way to lead. Additionally, I fear that having tried to be a good leader over the years, I have proved a poor daughter sister, partner and friend. The party and my work has always come first, often at the expense of commitments to loved ones. The arrival of my son means I now make a different choice. Now, if you're a working parent with young kids, does what Ruth Davison is saying strike a chord with you? Can you identify with that struggle, with the competing pressures of your work life and your home life? And have you had to make that choice? Is it possible to hold down a high-flying job and be a good mum or dad to a young child? Jojo Fraser is a mum who writes and blogs about family life and also mental health. And Jojo joins us now. Good morning. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Now, just what she was saying there, um, does that strike a chord with you? Oh, yes. It got me quite emotional, actually, because I can relate to so much. Becoming a mum is the best thing that's ever happened to me, but it changes your life. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world. But what she's saying about she was all in. You know, if you're going to do something that's so important, you need to be all in. And when you become a mum, things do change. You have guilt. You have these voices in your head. I write about in my book, A Perfect Mum. Um, and we just want to get it all right, and sometimes we can't, and we just need to go easy on ourselves and say, if it is right to take a step back, because if you can't be all in and you can't jump in, if your heart and your head is at home, that's what happened to me. You know, I, I went back part-time because I knew I couldn't be all into my full-time role in marketing, which was really, um, you know, the, the company was relying on, me, mm-hmm. relying on me to really push things forward. And, um, you know, to be doing events down in London or networking, my heart wasn't in it at that point. I wanted to be at home putting my little girl to sleep. I didn't want to be, you know, having this lovely lifestyle, which I, it was great at the time, you know, meeting fantastic people, going to nice restaurants, whining and dining and promoting a great company. But 
I wanted to be, you know, at home with my, my baby. And I think sometimes we just need to be really true to where we're at and to take a bit of time out to, to reflect and realise what it is we want and when is the right time to take a step back, if we're able to, you know. We seem to have gone from uh, a generation where uh, the mum was was not expected to stay at home, but stayed at home, you know, uh, and looked after uh, the family until they were up and then they would go out and work again, possibly, maybe not. Uh, But we're now in a generation who young mums and maybe not so young mums as well are expected to go back to work fairly quickly. I think it's a personal thing. My mum was a teacher and she gave up work for 15 years to raise myself and my two older brothers. And that was great to have her there. But I think she really wanted to be there. And I felt guilty because I I set up my thing on the side. It was amazing to be at home. But after a few years, I realised I wanted to create again and I wanted to do my speaking and my writing, but around my kids and around what suited me. And I was lucky that I was able to work hard on the side and, and have that you know build but with my mum she just wanted to be all in at home and I think we just need to not put pressure on people and let them come to their decision it doesn't make you a better mum if you decide to stay at home it doesn't make you a better mum if you decide you want to work part-time or full-time but you have to do what's true to you I speak to people that really wanted to go back to work and they were happy to just have their really good weekends or their really good quality moments with the kids um so I, I think we we just have to really um, take the time to be true to what it is we, we want to do, what mm. feels right for our family. Because kids, you know, they see effort. I don't think it's a bad thing for our kids to see us working hard. They see that effort and hard work can pay off. But at the same time, they know if you're not in it, you know, it's, it's yeah. obvious in our behaviour and it can cause stress at home and friction. You're talking there about mums putting pressures, pressure on themselves. But is there not um, in the... In the the life that we lead now and, and young mums and dads lead, mm-hmm. is, is there not pressure on themselves in a way that they, they, they want these extra things? They, you know, they, they've got themselves mortgaged, they've got the cars, they've got this, they've got that. Then the family comes along and they mm-hmm. actually can't afford to do, just stand back and say, well, um, I'm, I'm going to be a, a stay-at-home mum or dad. I think it comes down to prioritising and to really having that time to say, well, do I need that beautiful car? Can I, would I prefer to be with my kids a little bit more? I mean, for me, I wasn't doing the things on the side for material things. It was to make a difference um, and to have a little bit extra. Yeah, that's handy, but it was more, oh, I'll use that to take us on nice holidays or, you know, more about quality of experiences and time rather than things. And I think when you become a, a parent, you know, the quality moments, time is the most precious thing, isn't it? It's not really about having the flashy car or, you know, the the amazing house. You know, you just, your house gets trashed anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no point spending a fortune on a beautiful sofa when, you know, you could just get a basic one and maybe use your money to, to go, you know, on holiday. And it doesn't right. have to be lavish as well, just nature. Scotland is a beautiful country. So to be able to go away together and, and spend time, I think that's a personal thing as well, though, and money's a metaphor for a lot of things, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. And, and, and the the blog that, that you write and, and um, about family life and, and mental health, and uh, what type of response do you get to this type of question? I think we're changing. We're in a world now that we realise that mindfulness is so important. You know, it's going into schools now, mindfulness at home, 
for the family because we are we are all very switched on. We're more connected than ever, but then there's more loneliness. Um, so I, I think we're talking more about just going easy on ourselves and actually having those moments where we're just more mindful of the fact that you know we have a child who is healthy and a little warm hand that's holding yours rather than being so busy all the time I think we're starting to talk more openly about the pressures that we all feel not just as you say the moms the dads too because dads have feelings they love their kids um we all need time to be present with those we love and I think we realize now more than ever that life is very very precious and with you know the planet and the, the scary stories that we hear we want to make the most of our time don't we um so I, I think I get a lot of people coming to me to say oh thank you for encouraging me not to be so hard on myself and to take that time and to not feel guilty mm. for taking that time and to find the balance that works for you and if you do love your job could you perhaps be more flexible and and fit in the the time when the kids are asleep I know that's not possible for everyone but I guess if you you do have to be hands-on just to be able to be present on the days that you are with your family and to say right well this Sunday is going to be amazing we're going to put our screens away and really connect and bond with each other because it's been a crazy week. <laughs> I think just what you said there a bit uh, about not being too hard on yourself is, uh, is something that many parents and uh, young parents in particular should should think about very carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know you're, um, you've got something on today. You're away for a wee run. I am. And that running was something that really helped me as a mum in the early stages because although I love being at home, I needed time. It's very chaotic. You don't get a lot of quiet time. So running was a, a place for me where I could be really mindful um, and it could help me just to, to have space to realise what I wanted to do as well. Um, so I'm off for a run. And <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. And then back to the kids. Back to the kids again. Well, enjoy the the run. Hope it goes well. Thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. I should point out that it's a 10k run she's going for, not just a a run round the park. Uh, Here's a comment on that coming in from Duncan. And he says, whilst I agree that being away from her young family, particularly during the upcoming elections, was very probably much in her mind, I suspect that Ruth Davison had examined both public and private polling that indicated heavy Scottish Conservative losses as well. Uh, given her stance on Brexit, I don't think she wanted to be associated with the dire consequences that are about to unfold. Duncan and Glasgow, thank you for your comments. More than welcome, as always, of course. Uh, we've got about uh, five minutes left to take some more calls. Um, I think they're, they're on Brexit. Uh, that number again is 0333 2020 The text number is 61054. Start your message with Ali. Right, let's go to John. Hi, John. Good morning, now we have this morning. Fine, thank you. Your comments, then. You're fired up. <laughs> Briefly, <laughs> make it brief, John. The fact is, Boris Johnson is my guardian angel. Because as soon as we get... What's happening today is a big spoon, which Mrs. Surgeon keeps stirring up with the Labour Party and other parties for how what she wants. And for three and a half years, she uses referendum referendum. It's all the time, Ali. People are getting fed up with it. We want to get bonus to get on with the job, get away from this Europe and get things moving. It's going on too long, Ali. People are getting fed up. And, and the, the Labour Party, because they're all against Boris, but Boris has got, a, he's got balls, Ali. He's got a person that can get things rolling. They need somebody like that. Ms. Theresa May was too soft on the, the EU. The EU was just laughing at us. 
I mean, get that country. We could bring this country no more. So this is Great Britain they're talking about, Ali. So just let them get on with it. Yes, definitely. Okay, that seems to be the message that uh, one one caller earlier said they were surprised at the amount of um, was uh, of support that Boris has had on the program today. No one's more surprised than myself, actually. Uh, Marie, hello. Is it Marie? Marie, Marie, good Marie. <laughs> right, Marie. How are um, you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. And yourself? I'm good, thanks. Good. I'm phoning regarding Brexit. I mean, there's medication that I'm on, and for the past three months, I can either get a slight portion of the medication, and then I have to wait for the rest of it coming in, and then on the last occasion there, they didn't have it. There were several chemists in the area could not provide me with the medication and we had to go around trying to source it we eventually got it from a large uh, chemist that's on the high street but it, there is a knock-on effect now i don't know if they're storing this medication in britain to make us fear that we're not going to be getting our medication or bandages or whatever or is it actually being held back in europe somewhere nobody's been honest with us and telling us the honest truth of what's going on and what's going to happen. I know that things happen and we don't know how it's going to all end up, but I just feel if someone be a bit more honest and let us know what's happening. Mm. We're not getting the truth, is it? I mean, I, I can hear you. That's what you're saying. And, yes. And I think it's, despite um, listening to uh, the Prime Minister saying there will be no shortage and some of the other members saying that, you know, that, uh, yes, everything will be fine. Here we are talking to someone who is actually affecting now. So do you, I mean, you don't have the answer, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask a question here, but I'm thinking, is it um, something that the medicine, is it something that's in short supply anyway, Maria? Have you had problems before on this medicine? No, I have not. I've been on this medication for a good number of years now. Right. And every time I have a prescription, I go to my local chemist and I get it, no problem at all. But for the past while, and three months, maybe a wee bit longer, I hand in my prescription and I get a wee note saying, you know, to follow. And one occasion, it would have been in on the Monday, and it's actually about two weeks later. But that time I'm running out of this medicine, and it was the same with the last time, my fault being I forgot to pre-order it, but of course I went to the, the, the pharmacy and they couldn't provide the medication and they said that you know, all the kind of local pharmacies did not have this in stock, but my husband sourced it on as I say, one of the local high street mm. without naming names um, and so I do have it, but when it comes to the next time I get it um, because you're not allowed to order in advance, if you like, uh, your doctor prefers to wait until you may be down to your last, last minute. Of views, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you put in the order what you've got to wait two days for to get uh, and then go to the chemist. Then, yeah, I don't know. I really, it beggars belief that something we've relied upon, and maybe that's it, we've always relied that the NHS will always supply us with what we need, and in particular, different drugs or bandages or whatever and it's not there it's not at hand and we're starting to feel it a bit more I think it's a very worrying situation for someone in your position who requires medication and is already fighting before we actually hit that deadline 
that you're having difficulties. Marie, thank you for your call. We're running out of time now, um, but please keep us in contact and let us let us know if you have any further uh, shortages because it's going against already what we're being told. Uh, Marie, thank you. Let's go to Robert, who's in command. Robert, I think you're going to be our last caller today. Hello, Ali. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. What's your point? I'm going back to the, the debate about Brexit and elections. I, I just find it very difficult now to believe that I should vote in the next election because no matter what I vote for, if they don't like it, they're just going to have another vote. Mm-hmm. How many times have we, over the years, and I mean, I've been involved in elections for a lot of years, how many times do we vote and a, a government comes in, might not be the one you voted for, but you've got to put up with it. You don't say, well, we'll just riot in the street. We'll just say, no, we're not going to do that. I, I believe now is the time for us to come together again and say, okay, let's go for it. Let's, we, we've decided that's it. So, referendum. We, we voted to become part of the union again, and now we're on another vote to, because somebody doesn't like it. I just, I don't like that. Yeah. It's quite annoying to me. I mean, it makes me feel, why, why bother voting the next time? So I'm pretty sure the numbers that vote will go down. Pretty sure. Robert, thank you. I'm going to have to leave you with our, our last caller. As I say there, we've run right out of time for Scotland's talking today. But uh, thank you for your uh, comments on the phones. Uh, texts have been very, very busy. My Facebook page is very busy, so we've got loads of comments. Um, but uh, thank you very much indeed. This has been Scotland's Talking.